let's stand as we sing hymn number 369. I know the Bible is true. See, unless you celebrate a birthday or an anniversary. Well, amen. It's uh, good to be in the Lord's house today. God has been so good to us. We have so much to thank Him for. And uh, this is the week of Thanksgiving, so that's an exciting time. But, you know, every week ought to be a week of Thanksgiving. Uh, so should every day. A few things from the bulletins we start. First of all, Lord's Supper will take place on Tuesday night. We encourage all church members to come at 7 o'clock. There will not be a Wednesday evening service. Uh, then November 30th, I want to have a deacon's trustees meeting following the evening service. So, guys, you can plan on that. Uh, Christmas missions offering uh, is going to be received on December the 4th. Uh, this is a time that we collect funds to uh, help with our missionaries uh, from our church to be able to have a special time at Christmas. And so uh, if you can give to that, that'll, that'll be a, 
a well worth uh, project to give to. A Christmas program on December 11th, the word became flesh. Looking forward to this. Uh, the choir's been working really hard with it. I know it'll be a blessing to you, and so that'll be the 1030 service uh, on December 11th. Uh, ladies' Christmas party take place at our house, uh, Mrs. Metzinger's and myself, and uh, address there in the bulletin. The event is on Thursday, December the 15th at 7 o'clock. Ladies bring a $10 gift for exchange and some finger foods to share. Uh, it's always a highlight. Ladies always have a good time, and so encourage you to come uh, for that. Uh, we're going to be having the Gilson Christmas on December the 18th. Now, for those who don't know, uh, brother, uh, the Gilson son was brutally murdered. And uh, they have taken their grandchildren to raise, which, you know, get to be older, you can only imagine all that that changes in your life. And so uh, we set aside a week for uh, giving to them to help them with Christmas. So on December 11th, we'll have a box that will be out there. And if you want to uh, write them a note of encouragement, and then they... They like to have Walmart gift cards because they can then go to Walmart and shop for the kids. You know, they need clothes through the year and all that and not always a bunch of toys. Uh, I can remember one year our kids kept getting toys, toys, toys. So one year we talked about it. We really did it. We took their toys. We split them in half. We put half of their toys away. And then in June, we threw out their toys and gave them their new toys. We were winners that time. And then they became, you know, like almost teens. And it was money was the best thing to give them. So anyhow, um, Gilson Christmas, uh, please mark it down. Please plan to be a part to help them. Uh, and we'll just have a box uh, with their name on it. You can put the cards in there. You can give them a Christmas card, put it in Christmas card, however you want to do it. And then um, we'll also have the Patch Christmas program on December the 18th. Uh, that'll be the afternoon service. Looking forward. Uh, always love to see the kids and what they do, and so we'll look forward to that on the 18th. And then, yes, in case the question's in your mind, yes, we will have church Christmas Day, okay? There'll be a 1030 service, and uh, we'll have a church service, and then we'll have lunch afterwards. If you don't have lunch plans, and you're here without family, we would like to have uh, just a, a lunchtime. We'll mull that together and let you know what that looks like as we get into December. Uh, but plan on that if you have no other uh, family to celebrate with and you got church family. We'd love to have you celebrate with us. Uh, prayer needs, ask that you remember to pray for all these that are listed here. Also, if you would pray for the pots they left, uh, brother and sister pots left on, uh, Wednesday to head up to be with his mom. He sent me this beautiful, beautiful video uh, of snowfall. And it's just snowing to beat the band. I'm like, I'm in the wrong place. I should have gone with them to minister to them while they were up there uh, in New York. But uh, anyhow, if you'd pray for them, his mom is uh, probably not long for this earth. And uh, heaven's going to be a sweet place when she goes there. And so you pray for them. And then, uh, if you would pray for Marty Bush, uh, he's, uh, of course, having some issues healing, uh, and he's had his knee replaced, but uh, some healing issues, and so 
lots of pain. If you pray for Marty, I know he would appreciate that. And then uh, the Marinos aren't here today. Eden is really sick, and uh, that's their baby. And then uh, Chuck came in this morning, told me he hadn't been feeling good, and I said, "Get out of here! I don't, I don't want you. For, I don't want you around me. And we as a church don't want you around us. We love you very much. If you're watching this, brother Chuck, but we want you well. So uh, you pray for the Marinos as uh, they're uh, getting through all the junk that happened." It's good to be in the Lord's house, amen? And we have so much to thank you for. We're going to have Brother Foster come back, lead us in the song, and then we'll get to our Sunday school time. Teens will be in here today. God bless. Sing hymn number 364, standing on the promises. Lesson number five in this class, I printed off a few more because I anticipated some extras in here this morning. I have about ten. Highest bidder gets the first one. All right. Jared, could you help me? Let me put the Bible school student to work. Amen. All right, thank you. All right, while they're passing that out, you can be turning in your Bibles to the book of Mark. Mark chapter number 10. Uh, in this class, we are studying a series that's not what you think. There's many things in this Bible that go against our natural way of thinking. And uh, God is seeking to reform our minds, is He not? He's trying to uh, conform us to the mind of Christ, and He wants us to think like He thinks. And as we form our thinking to the way that God thinks, then it changes the way that we act as well. So there's a pattern that God wants us to follow. There's a way that in which He wants us to act in this Christian life, and he outlines it for us in the Word of God. And we're going through uh, several areas that uh, fall in line with this concept. And today we're looking at lesson number five, and it is this, that uh, it's the idea that the greatest is the servant. The greatest is the servant. Now the world would not have you to think that. They would say that you'd try to to uh, accomplish as much as you can in this life, and doesn't matter who you step over to get there, just as long as you climb that ladder of success. In the world's eyes, that's what they think matters. But 
not according to God's law and according to His reasoning and what is best for us, we understand from the Word of God that the greatest is the servant. So let's find ourselves here in Mark chapter number 10, beginning in verse number 35. And James and John, the sons of Zebedee, come unto him, saying, Master, we would that thou shouldest do for us whatsoever shall we shall desire. And he said unto them, What would ye that I should do for you? They said unto him, Grant unto us that we may sit, one on thy right hand, and the other on thy left hand, in thy glory. But Jesus said unto them, Ye know not what ye ask. Can ye drink of the cup that I drink of? And be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? And they said unto him, We can. And Jesus said unto them, Ye shall indeed drink of the cup that I drink of, and with the baptism that I am baptized withal shall ye be baptized. But to sit on my right hand and on my left hand is not mine to give, but it shall be given to them for whom it is prepared. And when the ten heard it, they began to be much displeased with James and John. But Jesus called them to him, and saith unto them, Ye know that they which are accounted to rule over the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and their great ones exercise authority upon them. But so shall it not be among you. But whosoever will be great among you shall be your minister. And whosoever of you will be the chiefest shall be the servant of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto but to minister and to give His life a ransom for many. So even here, the disciples needed a reset of their mindset and, and, and to understand that their duty and what He was calling them to do was to be a servant to others, to be a servant in the ministry that He's called them to. And it's the same thing for us today as Christians. He's called us to be servants of one another and to be servants of the, of the lost, that we might share with them the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. So uh, last week, we, or not, a couple weeks ago when we were in here, we got started in this lesson, we saw point number one. And in order to start this journey of servanthood, we must first of all make a choice. It's a decision that we must make. You know, we have a free will. Uh, as, as we're saved, as we accept Jesus Christ, then we don't automatically fall in line, do we? But we should have a desire to fall in line. We should have a want to, and we should have a desire to do what God wants of us. And as we understand the Word of God, as we're discipled in the Word of God, as we grow in the Word of God, we understand what God expects of us, and that is that we become a servant. So we have to make the choice that I'm going to follow God's pattern for my life. I'm going to do what He expects of me to do. So I have to make this individual choice to follow Him. In our text, in verse 43 and 44, it says, But so shall it not be among you, but whosoever will be great among you shall be your minister, and whosoever of you will be chiefest shall be servant of all. So he's called us to this servanthood uh, as a Christian. That brings us to point number two. We need to ask God for an inward change. So again, this goes against our natural tendency uh, we don't naturally want to serve. Some people are better at it than others. But most of us aren't, do not lean that way from our flesh that we would want to serve others. Our flesh desires to serve self and to appease ourselves uh, and to please ourselves in all that we do. But God tells us that there must be an inward change that takes place. And that change is a process that we must understand how we develop this mindset of servanthood. So even after we choose to serve, we do not immediately change from selfish 
to selfless. Neither can we bring about this change in our hearts. The Bible tells us in Philippians 2.13 that this inward change is something only God can do. It says, For it is God which worketh in you, both to will and to do of His good pleasure. So anything that's going to be accomplished for God, anything that's going to change in us, is a work of the Holy Spirit of God in us. As we submit to Him and allow Him to do a work, then He is going to perform that which He wills in our life. So God is more than willing to give us a servant's heart, but we must be willing to ask Him for it and submit ourselves to Him. In fact, He wants us to share the same mindset of Christ who humbled Himself to be a servant. If you look at Philippians chapter 2, I'd like to read more of that text. Philippians chapter 2, So Christ humbled Himself to be a servant. Despite being God, He was willing to serve. He gave up His highest position of glory as the Creator God to assume the lowliest position of a servant to His own creation. Philippians 2 verse 5. So he's talking to the Christians here at Philippi and he's telling them, Paul is telling them this, let this mind be in you. So if you're searching for what kind of mind you ought to have, this is the instruction. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself. And became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. If there was anyone that has the right not to serve, it would be God, wouldn't it? Because He's holy and He's mighty and He's the omnipotent one. But yet God, through Jesus Christ coming in the flesh, humbled Himself and became a servant. So if the highest of highs can come to this earth and serve, then why can't we serve? We who are nothing, we ought to be willing to serve. Jesus was willing to serve, and we need to have that same mind. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. The verb let means to allow. We're going to allow God to work in us, as we read in Philippians 2.13. We're going to allow Him to do His will in our life. So this word let means to allow. The verb tense is passive imperative, which indicates this is a choice we make. To allow something to happen to us. God desires to form the mind of Christ in us, and we are to allow Him to do the work in our lives. There's a parallel example of this in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 18, where it instructs us, be filled with the Spirit. This is passive imperative as well, and we make the choice to allow the Spirit of God to control our lives. So when we let the mind of Christ be in us, He causes us to think like He does. Because our thoughts determine what we will do. They determine our actions. The things that we dwell upon, the things that we think on, those are the things that we will do. So we need to allow the Word of God to captivate our mind and allow our thoughts to be brought into subjection to the truth of the Word of God, that it might formulate our actions and cause us to please God in all that we do. So thinking like Christ will result in acting like He does. What does Romans 12, 2 tell us? It says, Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I don't know about you, but I need that renewing on a daily basis. I need my mind to be renewed. There's so much in this world and, uh, that we uh, wrestle with, and in this old flesh that we wrestle with, 
that would cause us to go contrary to what God desires for us. So we need our minds to be renewed. Then our actions will be pleasing unto the Lord. So inward change begins in the mind. When we ask God to change us, He begins with the renewing of our minds. The Holy Spirit changes our way of thinking and conforms it to the mind of Christ. And as He changes our thinking, our behavior also changes to reflect more of Christ and less of ourselves. So we could say it this way, the things that a person does reflects to what they've been thinking about. The decisions that they make, the places that they go, it reveals the mindset that they have. D.L. Moody understood the transforming work in the life of a Christian and that it will manifest in the exaltation of Christ and debasement of self. Moody quoted preacher and hymn writer Dr. Horatius Bonner, who said he could tell when a Christian was growing. In proportion to his growth in grace, he would elevate his master, talk less of what he was doing, and become smaller and smaller in his own esteem, until, like the morning star, he faded away before the rising sun. Jonathan was willing to decrease that David might increase, and John the Baptist showed the same spirit of humility. So we must exercise the same spirit of humility. If we are going to be a servant, we must humble ourselves before an almighty God. And ask God to help us to conform to this mindset of Christ. So we must ask for that inward change. It's something you must desire. You must make a choice for it. And then you must ask for it. Step number three is seek intentional connections. What does that mean? Seek intentional connections. Although sometimes opportunities to serve just land right in our pathway. I know in our home we gave many opportunities to serve. And we presented them well that they might know exactly what they are to do to serve. Uh, but in the church body, as we come together today, there's much that we can do to serve. And you're well aware of them. We have many opportunities to serve. And if you feel like uh, you don't know where you can serve, I'm sure a preacher can give you something. He has a long list of areas you could serve in. Uh, there's opportunities for service. And again, sometimes they fall right in our pathways, but others involve a conscious effort to minister to those in need we have to get out of our comfort zone and purposefully meet the needs of others. There are two different words in our text that both carry the idea of serving, but with two different points of emphasis. In verse 43 of our text in Mark 10, it says this, But so shall it not be among you, but whosoever will be great among you shall be your minister. So the word here translated minister in verse 43 is used in Acts chapter 6 as well and is translated serve. In Acts 6.2, Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. The apostles then appointed deacons, servants, who would minister to the widows of the church by serving tables. So if we are to minister to others, it means that we are to serve them. So that's what ministry means. It means service. And service takes on many different uh, ideas, different areas. Uh, it could be serving in the area of teaching, as I'm doing today. It could be serving in the area of cleaning the church. It could be serving in the area of nursery. It could be serving in the area of, of witnessing and going out on visitation. Several areas uh, that fall into this area of servanthood. In verse 44 of our text, Jesus used a different word for being a servant. He said, And whosoever of you will be the chiefest shall be servant of all. This word servant here carries the connotation of bond slave. 
This was not just a person who looked for individual opportunities to serve. This was someone whose entire life was wrapped up in serving his master. That should be the culmination of our life and what should be the attribute as someone looks at our life and, and when we are depicted by others, they should say that this person served the master. And that should be our desire. We are slaves to God, if you will, that we would do His will, that we would follow His leading and His direction. And He's calling us to servanthood. So this was someone who his entire life was wrapped up in serving his master. He had chosen to give up his rights to his master. Boy, we hear a lot today about our rights, don't we? We hear a lot about our rights, but as Christians we understand God is our master. We have no rights other than to please Him. And that's our duty, and that's our calling. So he had chosen to give up his rights to his master, and he would seek nothing in return. (laughs) Seek nothing in return. Boy, that's a different mindset. Again, it's not what you think. It's not what our mind tells us. not what society tells us, but this is what God calls us to, having a right idea about who we are in the Lord Jesus Christ. So we are to minister to others, but we are to do it from the posture of, of a servant. We have to have the right attitude. We have to have the right spirit as we go into this. You know, we can make our children do things. We can make them go through the areas of service that we desire, but they can choose to do it with a wrong attitude, or they can choose to do it with the right attitude. And it's the same for us in the spiritual realm. God is calling us to do many things in this Christian life. And we can do it with the right spirit, an attitude of humility, and an attitude of, of understanding our position, that we are owed nothing. And it would do our world good to understand that this world doesn't owe anybody anything. But we, go, we owe God everything. So we are to minister to others. But we are to do it from this posture of servanthood. We are to look for and meet the needs of others. But we are to do it without the expectation of anything in return. Boy, that's hard for our fleshly natures to accept, isn't it? When we do something, we want something in return, most often. That's what our flesh tells us. That's not what God desires for us if we're to have the right attitude of a servant. Jesus is our example in this. During His earthly ministry, Jesus was always intentional about serving others. He expressed His love in action. He washed the feet of His disciples, fed the multitudes, healed the sick, befriended the outcast, cast out demons, prayed for His disciples, and even laid down His life to save men. And Matthew 4.23 tells of Jesus, He went about all of Galilee, teaching in the synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. Later on in Matthew chapter 9, verse 35, we again see Jesus serving. And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. So you ask yourself the question, how can I serve others? Well, there are many, as we've already mentioned, there are many opportunities. But it begins with this. It begins by being intentional to notice needs. But then we must follow through to minister to those needs. I believe if you ask God to help you be a servant, He'll present opportunities for you. God is calling us to service, so it makes sense that God has an area of service for us, that He would have something for us to do. Uh, there are, again, there are many, many opportunities for serving. 
God created the church to be a body of believers who serve one another. For this purpose, He equips believers with spiritual gifts that they can use for the work of the ministry to build up the body of Christ, Ephesians 4, 11, and 12. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. For what purpose? For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So the question before us today is this. Are you serving your church family? God calls us to it. Are you serving? Are you actively engaged in building up others through personal service to the church and for Christ? So we have to make this intentional connection. We must understand that God wants me to serve. I need to ask God to help me have the right attitude in service and then be intentional in connecting to those needs that I see before me. The fourth step is this. We need to embrace the invaluable cause. Jesus gives us a personal testimony of His ministry in verse 45 of our text. He says this, For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister, and to give His life a ransom for many. Jesus would have had every right to demand service. He could have demanded us to to serve Him. But when He came to the earth, He chose to be born to a poor family in humble surroundings and then spent His life serving others. Ultimately, He served the entire world as He gave His life a ransom for many. When He died on the cross for our sins and provided for us the gift of salvation, we see the ultimate gift of service, giving to the needs of others. We had a tremendous need in our lost condition, a need that no one else could fulfill, that no one else could suffice. Only Jesus would be the one who would be able to go to the cross and take away the sins of all mankind. And He was willing to serve you, and He was willing to serve me on our behalf. 2 Corinthians 5.21 For He hath made Him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. Now consider this. Think of someone, don't think too long on it, but think of someone who just aggravates you. Or maybe even makes you to the point that it makes you mad to think of that person's name. Would you be willing to die for them if you were able to take away their sins? Jesus had a world that rejected Him, yet He was willing to die for them. When we consider what Christ was willing to pay for all of mankind, it should change our attitude towards those that maybe rub us the wrong way, those that we're not so happy to be around. Understanding that their need is Christ as well that they need a right relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, just as we've enjoyed a right relationship with God. 1 Peter 2.24 goes on to tell us about Jesus and His sacrifice. Who His own self bare our sins in His own body on the tree, that we, being dead to sins, should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes ye were healed. So, Go on to think about this person that maybe upsets you. You're going to give them 
something that's very valuable to you. Think of your most prized material possession that you have, and you're just going to give it to them. And this is what God did to all mankind. His only begotten Son says, I'm going to give Him to you. You don't deserve it, but I love you, and I want a relationship with you. Because I desire a relationship with you, I'm willing to sacrifice my only begotten Son on your behalf, that He might go to Calvary's cross and lay His life down, that through His blood, your sins might be forgiven. So how does your servanthood measure up to that? I know mine doesn't measure up the way it needs to. I think all of us would raise our hands and say, we're not where we need to be. But this is what God is calling us to. So if Christ willingly gave His life to serve us, we can do no less than give our lives to serve Him. Paul's gratitude for God's salvation motivated him to give up everything to render his life to serve God. What's holding you back from serving God today? What's in front of you? And I can tell you, whatever it is, it shouldn't be there. It needs to get out of the way that you are clear and free to serve God. Whether it's a material possession, whether it's a stronghold in your life of some sin, it needs to go. Whether it's the entertainment of this world, whether it's worldly music, worldly entertainment, whatever it might be that's in your way from being a servant to God, it needs to go. Paul wholeheartedly embraced the cause of Christ. In Philippians 1.21, he summed up his calling in life. And if you're still near Philippians, uh, Philippians 1.21, I'll read it for you. It says, For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Let that sink in. For me to live is Christ. What is... What is living to you? We must consider this thought. What is living to you? And I can t help you answer this question. What are you thinking about you're going, that you're going to do this week? Can it be summed up that my desires, my plans, my ambitions for this week are to live for Christ? Or is there, are there other things on your agenda that are taking place of living for Christ and giving Him all that He deserves? Paul understood his calling. And he summed it up here, as we just mentioned, for me to live as Christ. That should be our desire. My life desire should be to live for Jesus Christ. I should want to serve him in every capacity that he's given me ability to, and to do all I can to honor him in this life. The following advertisement occurred in a London newspaper. It read this, men wanted for hazardous journey. Small wages, bitter cold, long months of complete darkness, constant danger, safe return, doubtful. Honor and recognition in case of success. The ad was signed by Sir Ernest Shackleton, an Arctic explorer. Thousands responded instantly to the call. They were ready to sacrifice all for the elation of adventure and uncertain honor. The question begs to be asked, should God's children do less? Think of those that would tackle climbing Mount Everest, understanding the outcome could be death, but yet they're willing to do it for the accolades of men. But what would stop you from serving a God who has given His all to save you? Romans 12.1, we're very familiar with it, but it should be our daily 
calling, and it should be our daily reminder of what we are to do. This is God speaking to us. He says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. If you fully understand what that means, a sacrifice means you give up everything. You're holding on to nothing. You're laying yourself out before God. God, you, are, you have control of every area of my life. I'm going to live for you, and I'm going to sacrifice all that I have to you. So I'm going to do it holy and acceptable unto God. And what does the Bible tell us that this kind of sacrifice is? It's reasonable. When I, when I laid out before you what God has done for us, and what He was willing to do for wretched sinners such as you and I, it's reasonable for us to serve Him. It's reasonable for us to live this life willing to sacrifice for Him. Some give their lives to serving their country. I'm thankful for those. And we've celebrated uh, Veterans Day. We celebrate Memorial Day. Those that have given their lives for this country. Others give their lives to finding a cure for disease. Yet others give their lives to ending poverty. People will give their lives to what they value the most. As Christians who have received the invaluable gift of salvation, should we hesitate then in giving our lives fully to Christ? Jesus taught us that the way we give ourselves to Him is by serving others. You might be asking yourself as... As a Christian, what can I do to draw closer to God? Become a servant. Humble yourself. Give of yourself a living sacrifice unto Him. In this world, we see many that are seeking greatness. Many that are pushing their way to the top. Remember that the world's definition of greatness is the opposite of Christ. Jesus said, the greatest is the servant of all. God's honor is given to the lowly, not the lofty. The opportunities to serve others are all around us. There are opportunities to serve that present themselves every day of our life. We have a choice to make. Will you humble yourself, follow the steps of your Savior, and minister to the needs of others? We need to ask God to help each of us, even this week, to see the opportunities that He sets before us to be a servant. That we might have an opportunity to serve and to respond as Jesus would. It's what He's called us to do. It's why He's left us here, is that we might serve others. The greatest service that we could give someone else is to share with them the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. But that goes beyond that. It's taking on the mindset of Christ that others might be helped, that they might be edified as we come together here at Shawnee Mission Baptist Temple today. We've come together that we might build one another up. We're here to help one another. And God's designed it that way. And He wants it that way. And it should be our desire to have it that way. That we might be the servants God has called us to be. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we're thankful today that, Father, that You are holy and that You are mighty and that You are yet gracious and merciful towards us. Father, I'm so thankful today that 
you sent of your most prized possession, Jesus Christ, to die for wretched sinners such as us. Father, I'm thankful that you were willing to send Jesus Christ to the cross, that through him people could be saved and have a relationship with you. And Father, I pray that we would exemplify the Lord Jesus Christ in our life, and we understand from this lesson that the way in which we exemplify the Lord Jesus Christ is to take on the identity of a servant. Through humility, through submission, through sacrifice, asking the Holy Spirit of God to work this attitude in our hearts. Father, I pray that you would help us to, to learn this well. And through this service, Father, we would see you working. and We would see others drawn closer to you. We would see the lost come to know Jesus Christ as their Savior. Father, I pray that you would help us as Christians to have the impact on this world that we need to have. Father, we can see so much wrong in this world, and it can even cause us to be discouraged or even in despair. But Father, the, the job is for us. It's not for a politician. The job is ours to present Jesus Christ and to invite people to a relationship with you, and that is what's going to make the difference. Father, I pray that you'd help each one of us to be faithful in this area of our life. Convict us where we're not right. Draw us into that right relationship with you, the right area of service. And Father, we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for your attention. You have about 15 minutes, and we'll meet right back in here for the worship hour.